Hello and welcome to the Women's Agenda podcast. My name is Angela Priestley. Now, in a moment, I will be sharing with you a conversation that I had with Christina Ziwika, who is one of our regular contributors on Women's Agenda, about women's safety, particularly women's safety in Parliament. Now, this conversation comes after Brittany Higgins went public this week with horror details about her alleged rape in Parliament House in March 2019. But first, I do want to just take a moment to quickly share a few things about media diversity in Australia, which is a passion topic for me and one of the key reasons behind what we do on women's agenda and agenda media. So if you're living in Australia, um, it would have been difficult to miss uh, the Facebook news ban that we woke up to on Thursday morning. Of course, that news ban means that you can no longer share uh, links from big media sources, uh, but it also captures in our publication Women's Agenda and other independent news sources, as well as a range of other things that were bizarrely included, which I'll get to in a moment. So while we have a really strong newsletter database on Women's Agenda, where readers receive our daily lunchtime update that basically has everything that we've covered that day and is really what we work to in terms of a media and and a a deadline and and setting out our team up regarding how we will cover that day's news events. Facebook has also been an avenue for our readers to then go and share our content with others, giving our journalism much wider reach, actually a really highly engaged reach. And that enables us to get stories out there that can typically go ignored across the mainstream media or just really not get enough attention and enough eyeballs on it. This is particularly true of some of the journalism that we've published around domestic violence, uh, sexual harassment and how women have been impacted by COVID-19, climate change and, and major policy announcements. And it's true of the women we've celebrated and sought to raise the profiles of over the years as well as the diverse voices and opinions we've been publishing We've provided a much-needed voice across the Australian media landscape to get more women heard on the issues that are impacting women and Facebook really has helped us broaden that message as well. Unfortunately, with this news ban, we also saw Facebook restrict pages that go beyond news and media and into essential public health messaging. Um, We were particularly alarmed to see that access to updated information from certain pages that promote various charities and other information, um, health, weather warnings, they were also blocked, at least for a period this week. Now, some of that has since been restored and and Facebook has apologised. But back to independent media. Well, right now, independent media is hurting and one of the biggest casualties of all of this could be media diversity in Australia. We really, really want to see the federal government and Facebook uh, resolve this issue as quickly as possible. We remain hopeful that there can be an outcome, but we also you know, are, are very much looking at what the future of media and a publication like ours could mean without having Facebook there as an option to broaden our reach. And we do have many things and, and available to us to help and that we also have strong social followings across other platforms. And like I say, we do have a strong daily newsletter um, database of around 30,000 women and we've been sending that newsletter for eight years now and we work around that newsletter to structure our day and our deadlines. That's what our team all work towards every morning is to really put out that really comprehensive newsletter each lunchtime. So if you don't sign up, please do. Uh, We'd love to be able to go to you direct rather than having to rely on different social platforms. 
you can get your friends signed up, your colleagues, your mum, your dad, your cousins, you know, that uncle who still wants to debate whether climate change is real. Maybe there's a lot in women's agenda for him too. Um, so please sign up if you can. We actually publish a lot more in that newsletter than we do across any other platform because we really try to make it comprehensive and, and put in there as much as we can for, for everyone who might be interested you can also subscribe to this podcast. Uh, we'll be using this channel a lot more, aiming to get more short but comprehensive updates on major issues out there, so um, particularly across the big stories that we're covering. And I'll be getting my co-hosts involved in that, Shivani, Tala, Georgie, as well as um, many of our, our key contributors. So contributors like Christina Ziwika, who I'm about to go across to now. Just a warning, we do discuss sexual assault in this conversation. Now to my conversation with Christina. Thank you. Hi, Christina. How are you? I'm fine. Hi, Anne. Uh, so this week, Samantha Maiden broke the story of political staffer Brittany Higgins, who was allegedly raped on a couch inside Parliament House. The story is absolutely horrifying and it comes after months and years of discussions about the safety of women working in Parliament House, the treatment of women in politics and so much more. Um, but also horrifying about all this is kind of what has happened since in the last few days, uh, the idea of who, who knew what and when and Scott Morrison's comments that he was told by his wife that he needed to approach the issue as a father and uh, various other things that just keep emerging from this story. You had a, a brilliant piece this week um, asking if we are any closer to ensuring safe workplaces for all women, not just someone's daughter, as you put it. Can I ask you, where, where are you at at the moment with that question? What do you think? Is this, are we at a, is this the turning point? I mean, I can't believe we need any further turning points, but is this actually it? I would like to think that it would be, but I'll just qualify that by saying I'm absolutely heartbroken that it's come to this or that um, Brittany Higgins has had to tell her story to bring about this turning point, if that is what it actually proves to be. In reflecting on the events um, of the past week and absolutely paying tribute to Brittany Higgins' bravery and also um, to the other women who have spoken out before her, um, Chelsea, Danya, um, Tessa, I, I've been thinking about the sort of journey that we've been on since um, Me Too went viral and came to Australian shores. And I've been thinking about um, previous opportunities that um, this government and um, previous governments might have had to address these issues. And I don't think that they can really credibly claim not to have known that this was a problem in all workplaces and that this was a problem in their workplace. Mm. So it, it's really gutting and heartbreaking that um, it comes, it's come to this. And still, still this week, we've, we've heard stories about briefings against um, Brittany's partner. We've had uh, comments by the Prime Minister at Question Time yesterday, mm. kind of invoking the politics of mutual destruction sort of saying that there shouldn't be any um, suggestion that this is confined to uh, one side of politics. So you do get the sense that they're really being dragged, kicking and screaming um, into addressing this issue. And their, their knee-jerk response is still to go back to a kind of politics as usual. 
mm. approach, which they've been taking for certainly the last four years. But simply given how shocking these allegations are that it happened in a minister's office, just sort of steps away from the room where cabinet meets, that it has come to this point is, is really quite shocking. Yeah, yeah. The other thing that you've written a lot about is that uh, the Respect at Work report, which came out, I think it was just before, uh, probably about this time last year, I think, um, so just before COVID. So unfortunately, it didn't get probably the media at the time that it should have received. But that Respect at Work report had come um, obviously from the the, the inquiry into uh, well, sexual harassment at work and it came with, I think it was 55 recommendations. But yes, we haven't did. really seen anything since or anything uh, attempted in terms of those recommendations. If anything, this week following uh, these allegations, what we have heard instead is that Liberal backbencher Celia Hammond will lead an internal consultation regarding the, quote, professional behaviour in political offices. Why Are we missing the fact that a lot of this work, or at least some of this work, has already been done? Absolutely. And I think we're also missing the fact that, um, you know, prior to this week, there have been previous moments where these issues have been very much highlighted. You know, most recently um, in November when Louise Milligan's Four Corners piece ran, but inside the Canberra bubble, um, you know, Chelsea and and Danya came forward a few years ago with their experiences uh, as Liberal Party staffers. And certainly at the time that Me Too went viral, we published a piece um, in Women's Agenda, which highlighted the woeful inadequacies of the policy, which applied to political staffers and how it didn't even meet the Australian Human Rights Commission's Mm. basic standards for Mm. what a policy of that nature should look like. Um, Since then, obviously, there's been an ongoing discussion about whether or not there should be an independent complaint process of some sort uh, for political staffers because they essentially serve at the at the at the at the behest of these ministers and they have no independent HR um, mechanism to go to should they they find themselves in in um, Britney's situation or in the situation where they're experiencing sexual harassment. So this has been an ongoing discussion um, around the culture in Parliament for at least. Um, four years now, and that's been part of a broader discussion about how we make workplaces safe for all women, um, not just the sort of women that I think um, our Prime Minister can imagine as you know sitting in the role or being his daughters. So we have a roadmap to change. Um, a lot of suggestions have already been made. Um, if you look to how this has been handled in the UK, also uh, well, the Westminster system, they've, they've had an inquiry, they've put in place, they, they came to a similar conclusion that um, these these ministers, ministers' offices were essentially little fiefdoms onto themselves and mm-hmm. that there, there needed to be an external mechanism. They've put that external mechanism in place now. Um, so it, it, it's not as if we couldn't have had action sooner. And, um, and had we had that action sooner, perhaps um, what happened to Brittany would not have happened. Um, and it 
and certainly it wouldn't have come to the situation where she would have needed to speak out publicly about her experiences. So I would like to see us um, move to a place where we engage with those uh, previous reports, numerous reports, uh, those recommendations, and really implement them and make sure that this is a turning point and that we deliver safe workplaces for all women. We've spent a lot of time thinking about this. Uh, Kate Jenkins' report is absolutely forensic. It puts a strong emphasis on prevention. And the relevance of that in, in regards to the, you know, the story of the last week is that if you, if you put an emphasis on prevention, then it doesn't get to a point where after the fact, women have to speak out quite publicly. It puts the, the, the situation that we have now puts the onus on victims to speak out to change the system. If we have a positive duty on employers, if we have an emphasis on prevention, then we won't get to the situation where it's women who are driving the change, women who've experienced violence who are driving the change. Mm, okay. All right. So we've gone through the fact that we, we have this report, we have some of these recommendations, um, and you talk about what needs to change here. Obviously, there should have been turning point you know, years ago, but here we are with another turning point. Do you think the the will is there to actually enact the changes that are needed from here? I'm not so sure. Um, I, I kind of was reflecting on um, the Prime Minister's comments at the time that Louise Milligan's Four Corners report came out, which we have to remember was not too long ago. And um, in that report, serious allegations against the conduct of two ministers mm-hmm. were made. And um, at the time, publicly, uh, Scott Morrison put that down to, quote, unquote, human frailty. Mm. And he described, he he said that he understood that the Australian public understood human frailty. And I just wonder about the message that that sent to all of those uh, who work in Parliament, um, about the culture in Parliament. If, if the Prime Minister chalks up that kind of behaviour to quote-unquote human frailty and not to a culture of sexism and um, violence, you know, that condones and enables violence against women, then we really, you know, we still had a significant problem. There's still a real intransigence as, as recently as November. Has this, have the events of the past week changed that? I hope so. Um, I think it's really remarkable that we've moved from a place on Monday where our, our sort of notoriously um, uh, intransigent prime minister was taking the usual nothing to see here line to I had a word with Jenny on mm-hmm. Tuesday um, and to not so independent sounding reviews to a truly independent review was announced on Wednesday. And I will give... Um, you know, the government enormous credit for that. And I do hope that that um, is taken up by um, um, one of the, you know, Kate Jenkins has been suggested, Elizabeth Broderick has been suggested, but somebody who really um, will do it in, in a timely and independent way. That might change, but I, I, I do remain a little bit, and I think I, I, I confess to this, in the piece, um, I, I remain a little bit cynical or cautious, um, and I think it's 
very important that all of us who are minded to see change in this area, that we continue to ask these questions, that we continue to keep the pressure up. And for, for no other reason, you, you see why that's necessary when you look at the face of the um, Australian Human Rights Commission inquiry. You know, that was launched uh, a lot of bells and whistles at the height of the public outrage surrounding Me Too. And then it landed, and here we are a year nearly a year later, and the government still has yet to formally reply to any of its 55 recommendations. So we've just got to keep the pressure on, keep our eye on this, and and make sure that um, this isn't something that kind of moves down the agenda um, once it's no longer on our front pages. Yeah, yeah, and also, like you say, just to acknowledge and um, the, the courage of the many brave women who have spoken up. Um, who've been asking these questions, who have been pressing the issue and have really kept it on the agenda constantly. Christina, thank yeah. you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your piece. It is called uh, What's It Going to Take the Prime Minister to Ensure Safe Workplaces for All Women, Not Just Someone's Daughter, and you can find that on Women's Agenda along with a number of other pieces that we've published on this this week. Thank you so much. Thanks, Anne. Thank you, Christina. So as I'm recording, we are continuing to learn more about this story, especially regarding who may have known what about this incident and when. So you can find all of that on our website as well as everything else that we have covered this week. Now, we have also learnt that Brittany Higgins is uh, proceeding with a formal complaint to Australian Federal Police regarding her allegations. She's requested that she be included in the Prime Minister's Review of Safety in Parliament House. And we've also seen former Prime Minister Julia Gillard uh, share a statement regarding Brittany's allegations and saying that the Global Institute for Women's Leadership at ANU, which is the organisation that she chairs, that that organisation will be available to assist with the inquiry if needed. Uh, I wanted to just read part of Julie Gillard's statement. She says, I hugely admire Brittany Higgins' courage in coming forward with her account of her rape in Parliament House. I'm horrified both by the incident and the aftermath. Ms Higgins' bravery should lead to genuine change in the workplace culture within Parliament at all levels and I support calls for an independent and comprehensive review. Now, a reminder that if you or someone you know are in immediate danger, you can call 000 if you need help and advice, call 1800RESPECT or 1800-737-732. Lifeline is also available to you on 13 11 14. Thank you for listening to the Women's Agenda podcast. Just a reminder that all the stories that we've discussed here you can find in some shape or form on Women's Agenda but not on Facebook, maybe sometime in the future, maybe not. Please do go and subscribe to our newsletter. You can go to womensagenda.com.au forward slash subscribe. We'd love it if you could also subscribe to this podcast. And a reminder that we have a second podcast called The Leadership Lessons, which is hosted by Kate Mills and features uh, conversations with different female leaders uh, looking at the leadership that we need for the critical decade ahead. So you can find that wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you again.